listener production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Welcome to another edition of the Summer Series of Morning Agenda, where we take a look back at the stories and events that have set the agenda in 2022. Today, we are looking at road safety and how to keep our teenagers safe when they're behind the wheel. This year, five teenagers, some as young as 14, were killed in a horror car crash southwest of Sydney. Unfortunately, this horror car smash was just one of many across the country this year. But this latest tragedy has again sparked the really important conversation and debate about what causes these deadly crashes and how we can better prepare and educate young Australians about the danger on our roads. One of the key campaigners of youth road safety in our country is Peter McGuinness. Peter and his wife, Melissa's son, Jordan, killed four innocent people on a major Queensland freeway in 2012 when he smashed into a parked car while under the influence of alcohol and drugs. Jordan was also killed that night. He was 18. But Peter and Melissa are adamant they don't want sympathy. They're now using their loss to help educate others. The couple has now set up the You Choose Youth Road Safety Campaign. And one of its clear messages is these deadly car crashes are not accidents. They say every teenager makes a life or death decision when they jump behind the wheel or are in the car with others. Peter says we can prevent these deadly crashes but making responsible decisions is the key to saving lives. And Peter joins us now. Peter, thanks so much for joining us for this special episode of Morning Agenda. Thank you, Natasha, for the uh, invitation and the warm welcome. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. This is such an important topic for so many Australians, youth road safety. All of us want to do everything we possibly can to keep our children and other children and young adults safe. I was doing some research before our chat today with your website, You Choose yrs.org.au, you choose road safety. And there was a great video there that really encapsulised about your story. If I can just play some audio for you before we start our chat, Peter, from Melissa. Let's take a listen to what actually happened with your son, Jordan, in 2012. Jordan was returning from his work Christmas party and um, he had been drinking. At some point, he'd smoked some marijuana and he was speeding in excess of 30 kilometres of the the speed limit. And somewhere around about Beanley, he hit a guardrail but continued on. When he got to just about three kilometres north of, of Dreamworld, he hit a broken down stationary car on the side of the highway that contained five young adults. One of the darkest scenes on the M1. Five young lives taken in one hit. And the driver, 16-year-old L player Thomas Bayer, managed to get out of the car. He had to climb over. Uh, His friend Natasha Maggs in the front seat to, to get out of the car and he was the only survivor. The car exploded into flames and the other four young adults died as a result of that, that explosion. Peter, I'm so sorry for your loss and Melissa's loss with losing your 18-year-old son, Jordan, in 2012. How do you ever recover or begin to take anything positive after such a horrific accident and horrific Mm. event? 
Mm, well, um, look, thank you for for for, for sympathising, Natasha. And it's my, we don't seek sympathy um, out of any of this. The the sympathy very much belongs with with Jordan's victims and and Jordan's victims' families, and in fact, with all victims of road trauma. So, um, certainly, we don't seek sympathy. We what we seek is change, and. Um, that that change project and that appetite to understand the the social influences on young people and so on, uh, which shape their decisions as passengers and drivers, um, is how we go on. Is how we carry such weight that mm. we do carry. Um, so I, I guess that's a, a a long answer to your short question. Um, the grief doesn't stop. Um, but you do find ways of carrying it, and certainly the You Choose Youth Road Safety Mission um, is a way for us to um, seek to make good on such tragic circumstances. Peter, road safety is so incredibly important, and you must be increasingly frustrated. And when we see horrific accidents like happened this year mm. in Buxton in September, mm. where five teenagers were killed in Sydney Southwest, we saw literally a week later. Somehow a number of teenagers escaped from a horrific other car accident in Beverly Hills. Mm. We see the media start to focus attention on road safety when we have these horrific fatalities. And mm. then we don't keep that focus there. What is going on mm. with young drivers today and how can we make a change to that dangerous mm. culture? Yeah, um, all really astute points, Natasha. Um, you asked me at the start of that question, am I frustrated? And, and of course, I share the community's frustration um, um, in the in the rising overrepresentation of sixteen to twenty five year olds in youth road trauma in all road trauma statistics. Sorry, and that bears repeating. Rising, so sixteen to twenty five year olds are overrepresented in fatalities and serious injury, and those statistics are actually going up. In most reporting jurisdictions around Australia. So while we have never had safer cars, and of course we should continue to invest in safer cars and safer roads, and while we've never put more effort um, and investment into driver education, skills training and reenactment programs, and while there's never been more stringent laws, more stringently policed, these statistics are heading in the wrong direction. So we should be curious as to why. Why is this happening? Well, quite obviously, the most skillful driver in the safest car, on the safest road, in the most stringently policed jurisdiction is still making decisions which destroy their own families and the families of others. And we've learned that a big part of why this happens is the cultural milieu that we all grow up in in Australia our shared attitudes and behaviours when it comes to driving. And just small things make up big parts of this. And I'll point to your preamble there, Natasha. You mentioned the word accident mm. two or three times when you're asking me that question. Well, I can tell you that, that veteran road policing officers, not just in Australia but around the world, will tell you that they have almost never attended a serious crash that is a genuine act of God or an accident. Yeah, right. They're nearly always caused by choices. So an example in our own lived experience is that our son didn't have an accident. He made a series of choices. The accident happened to his victims. So 
that's a, an example of the starting point um, that we need to undertake in terms of busting Australia's comforting myths about road use. It's a long arc project to change attitudes and behaviours. It's not something that can be taught. So we can teach skills. We can teach reenactment programs. We can teach compliance and regulations. But you cannot teach attitudes and behaviours. Our attitudes and behaviours in context with road use start from, from the cradle. The way that we're surrounded by information from our parents and everyone else from the second we start getting into cars. So there's not a simple solution to this, Natasha, and we don't propose one. And of course, at YouTube, we also don't propose to have all the knowledge. But what we do know is that we can reinforce existing orthodox methods like skills, driver ed, reenactments with an effort to empower young people to change the world around them for the better by shaping their own attitudes and behaviours as passengers and also their attitudes and behaviours as passengers and drivers in those around them. Peter, do you think it makes a big difference today about what young Australians, teenagers are being exposed to online? I know that all of us think we're invincible and that it won't happen to us. It does happen yeah. to many people and it tears people's lives apart forever. Mm, yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty of, of, of evidence that dates back decades, Natasha, that say that we are certainly subliminally affected um, and numbed to violence, numbed to antisocial behaviour, numbed to um, rational decision-making processes through the likes of, of, of entertainment and, and, and gaming and so on. But perhaps more so, the, the very current generation um, of, of, of teens um, shape each other's behaviours, their expectations of each other, the way they influence each other, um, the permissions they give each other to speak up in ways that we cannot understand. And when I say we, I'm, an, I'm, I'm talking about people even over 25. Mm. I think one of the big mistakes that we make when we approach um, certainly road safety education, um, is that we feel like we have all the knowledge and that that knowledge and the challenge is to teach that knowledge at teenagers. Well, we don't really understand contemporary teens simply because we were once teenagers. So if we consider and we hold to the paradigm that teenagers are the problem that needs solving, we're missing a really important point because we have to make teenagers integral, in fact, central to social solutions when it comes to driving and passenger behaviours. Such a great point, Peter. Um, look, there's been a lot of proposals put forward after we've seen these horrific incidences recently and so many young lives lost and changed forever. We've seen proposals put forward saying we should be changing the age you can apply for your L and P licence. There's another proposal to actually ensure that other teenagers aren't in the car if there is a P-planer. Do you think there's any solutions like this that may mm. work? Mm. We, we thoroughly support a range of regulatory um, changes, Natasha, to that, and, and certainly when it comes to how many passengers a P-planer um, carries. Um, but like, like all social change issues, road safety is complex. There's not one single answer. 
And if I could encourage the community overall and specifically road safety stakeholders around the country to embrace the idea that it's not just a regulatory challenge. It's not just an engineering challenge. It's not only a policing challenge. Um, it's not just a, a youth justice and a, and a behavioural challenge. It's a, a multitude of complex issues that make up um, the reasoning behind why young people make the decisions that they make around their behaviours as passengers and drivers. Mm. In Australia, we tend to think down the silos of government because it's our first instinct to look to government for every answer. So you'd know this even with your talkback um, experiences, Natasha. When one of these appalling tragedies like Buxton happens or, or the crash that, that our son Jordan caused, there'll be an outpouring of opinion. Mm. They need more skills program. We need tighter laws. Um, you know, we need to impound vehicles. We need to do lots of it. And, and most of it is true. But in Australia, we could be a lot better at synthesising all of these solutions together, thinking outside of the silos of government and coming up with a coordinated approach. Yeah, so incredibly well said, Peter. And I know both you and Melissa have made such a difference because you're now trying to make a change, a difference with youth road safety by going and talking Mm. to school communities. When you've spoken to teenagers, what's mm. the comment that's really stopped you in your tracks? Because I've seen a lot of feedback mm. saying they can't believe there's, you know, your talk, your experience, it has made a difference. What mm. are some of the comments that you've heard thinking, okay, we are making a change here? Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, look, when we started this in 2017, we had the conceit to think that simply sharing a lived experience or sharing a story would be enough of itself as a cautionary tale. And within months, in fact, within weeks, it became really obvious that such impact that you choose could have on the community would be through learning from teenagers, not teaching them, have an mm. appetite to understand them, um, curiously seek out how they operate within their friendship groups when it comes to road use. So the very first thing that took us back was that we tend to be mistaken as adults in conceiving of negative peer pressure as being the main driver of reckless, pardon the pun, the the main instigator of reckless behaviour when it comes to to road use, you know, people egging themselves on to Mm -hmm. to drive recklessly. We hold on to that um, as central um, to these behaviours. In fact, We've learned, and we're continuing to learn this, that passivity is equally, if not more, to blame for reckless behaviours. And what I mean by passivity, it's thoughtlessness, not speaking up, understanding that we're doing reckless things, but not doing anything about it. Um, passively getting into cars with people we know who drive recklessly passively developing small but lethal habits, doing 10 kilometres an hour over the speed limit, having too many people in the car, allowing people in your car to not have their seatbelts on. Passive behaviour is at the bottom of so much of this tragedy, Natasha. And while we focus 
um, I guess our public attention on determined lawbreakers or street racers, it's so frequently not that determined lawbreaker, that drag racer, that actually causes these terrible tragedies. Um, it's so often passivity. Now, I'm in no way saying that we shouldn't focus on, on hooning and street racing and, and all of that stuff. Of course we should. But when we do put all of our focus onto it, we tend to miss the point that it's so often that unlikely person, the person we didn't think would behave in these ways, the person that's not the obvious person that would behave in these ways that does. And that's not just about drivers either, Natasha. It's also about passenger behaviour. So incredibly well said, Peter. I could speak with you all day about this because this, this is such an important topic and we can make such a difference. I want to conclude the interview today with another piece of the interview with both Melissa and you talking about Jordan and your loss and also the lessons that you want others to learn. Let's take a listen. For me, yes, there was anger and there was guilt, but the abiding feeling that I have had for eight years is just, it's sadness. Mm. You know, it's not. He's not here. Mm. You know, it, he's almost been gone as long as he was alive and I can't believe for a moment that we're eight years down the track and that I haven't seen him or hugged him for eight years. So, And we should make it crystal clear that we don't seek sympathy by sharing these feelings. The sympathy belongs with Jordan's victims. Um, what, we, what we seek is change. We all can be part of that important change. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people go to find out more information about your campaign? Uh, Natasha, yeah, it, it is a social project, as you, as you point out, um, just like any social change project that teenagers take to their hearts. Um, and you can find out more about how your school community or your community group can participate in the YouTube's mission through our website, which is at you choose yrs.org.au and you can follow what the mission is all about on our socials, which you'll find easily at you choose youth road safety or you choose YRS. Peter, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Natasha. Listener.